Welcome to Now Hear This Entertainment, a podcast for fans of the guests who appear on this show, as well as fans of music in general, and a podcast for musicians, singers, songwriters, artists, entertainers who want to learn more to help them grow in what they're doing. I'm your host, Bruce Wozniak from Now Hear This Incorporated. Check out nhte.net and be sure you are subscribing to this podcast and telling your friends to do so as well. Besides that website, you can also find the show on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, as they want us to say, Google Play Music, and even now the brand new Google Podcasts app, plus Stitcher Radio, SoundCloud, and TuneIn Radio. We have had guests on this show from nine different countries, with the UK being one of the entries on that list. We're going back there again. Joining me today on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line from the UK, my guest is a singer-songwriter who is currently rolling out a single that marks the debut of his solo career after having been a member of the pop trio The Scheme. He has gotten distribution for the song through Universal Music UK and worked with a very notable producer for the song. We will also be talking today about remixes of the song. He was on this show just over two years ago in April of 2016 on episode 116. You've been hearing his new song called Eyes Open, it's my pleasure to welcome back to Now Hear This Entertainment, Chris James. Hey guys, hey Bruce, thanks so much for having me back on the show. It's great to be back. Yeah, welcome back, Chris. Good to talk to you again. Cool, thank you very much. It's a bit different since last time we spoke, but uh, all yeah. good. <laughs> well, let's start out, of course, by first having you talk about the song itself, what the song is about, when you wrote it, why you wrote it, that type of thing. Okay, Bruce. Well, actually, as you remember last time, I was uh, the lead singer of The Scheme. And uh, as we also spoke about, we do a lot of, we did and we, we don't do it anymore. But when we were in the band and we were touring, we did a lot of writing together. So actually, Eyes Open came about about three months before we broke up. Uh, so when it comes to recording the song, I just decided when I was picking my first single, because we had such a great catalog of songs on my own and as a band, that was kind of the one that stood out the most. Oh. So. The song was written as it's probably back in July of 2017, and we kind of been in a band on tour. I was going through different emotions. This particular song was was written about being in kind of like a abusive relationship, so to speak, or oh. you know, to be a, to be a bit more of a, an open song. You, you it could just be a bad situation that you're currently in. Um, but then for me, it was about we wrote it as a band about being in a bad relationship and kind of being told that, you know, you you kind of be nothing without the person. And then consequently, you know, when you actually find out they're actually not that great of a person and you realize that you will be okay on your own, it, it's kind of like a bit of a tongue in cheek. The song is basically saying, you know, I've had enough of you. Goodbye. But, you know, now I've basically got my eyes open and I can see what you're like, you know, as a for uh. the person. Yeah, I don't want to be with you anymore, but I'm just going to let you know that I'll be fine without you type of thing. So, so the song really in in short terms is about, you know, we all go through these relationships where it's a little, possibly a little bit abusive. And we thought all our songs are generally very happy and about dancing and singing and all of that. So we thought we'd be <laughs> a, little bit, a little bit different about it, really. So it, it is, I can go on and on about how it could be about, you know, any, any other thing other than what it is. But we would say it's just about a relationship problem, basically. Okay. Okay. I, li- I like that. It's, it is, uh, it, it, it's a, you know, and I'm, I'm preaching to the choir, obviously, you know, as a songwriter that, you know, the more relatable the songs are, the better. So certainly whether you interpret it in a different way that, like you said, you, you didn't get into, or just exactly what you described, there's going to be lots and lots of listeners that are going to be able to relate to the message that you just described. Well, absolutely. You know, and as I said, we, I did write it with the lads that I used to be in a band with. And so evidently, you know, sometimes we'd be writing songs just with the strum of a guitar and we'd get a melody. But in this particular track, the chorus came first and we just thought, well, you know, we, were, we had an idea about, you know, a, a recent breakup that one of us had had. So we just thought we'd go with that. But uh-huh. I would hate to say it's just about that, because realistically, it's an interpretation of what the listener feels it is at their current mood and time when they kind of take the song on, so to sure. speak. 
Sure. Okay. Well, in the intro, uh, I only alluded to the producer. So tell the listeners who you worked with on it and, uh, for that matter, how you got connected with him. It's so crazy. You know, um, we, the, 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 the producer is called uh, John Fields, uh, an amazingly talented producer who I've known about for quite some time. And, uh, you know, we, we kind of were looking at different producers for our record as a band, um, which which is quite sad because we never ended up completing the record. But we um, we were looking, but he was just the, the kind of the guy that we really wanted. And we'd work with a couple of other guys. It didn't really work out. And so we sent Eyes Open very, very kind of like demoed version over to his manager. He was a lovely guy from uh, lives in L.A. And um, he just come back and said the fields, his words was the fields loves it. And I was like, oh, my <laughs> And, you know, John Field is such an amazing guy. I mean, I was a little bit apprehensive and worried about going over because, he, you know, when you see the the albums the guy's produced and who he's worked with, you know, when I was a little boy, he's doing all the Jonas Brothers, Demi Lovato. I mean, these names are huge, you know, down to the, the, the newer bands that have come out in the past Dec, you know, decade like Busted and, you know, a band from original, a band that the, the lead singer from Liverpool is called Andy Brown. He was in a band called Lawson, which had huge success, you know, here and over over the Atlantic, even in America as well. But the guys work with Miley Cyrus, Switchfoot, Pink. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. So we went to Minneapolis to record this particular song. Mm. Um, and uh, anyway, we went out there. We work with him. The guy's amazing. He works like a genius. I mean, it's like a song a day. You know, some producers are taking three and four days. This guy is just so great and good. Um, Minneapolis, we, we went down there. We, we went to record in his studio. He has the original Michael Jackson recording studio. So, wow. Um, wow. It's just insane. You know, you walk through the corridors and it's just gold and platinum and triple, 10 times platinum. <laughs> and you're walking through like, going, oh, my goodness, you know. And then four months later, your band splits up and you're like, oh, well, that's the end of that one then, you know. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so, so basically we, we went out and did half the album with him. Then, unfortunately, the band um, the band just split up due to, a, you know, a, a couple of reasons, really, mainly relationships, and we're all getting a bit older. And I think, you know, I think a lot of people in, in the industry, when they're starting out, I mean, I was with my previous band for five years. I think it takes 10 years to make a band and make a real success, you know, and I think some people just don't have the patience or because it, it is a bit, you have to be really, really patient, you know, when you're doing this, this original music. So, um that ended, I was really upset because we did four tracks with John Fields and they're just all rocking. You know, I'm a co-writer on all of them. Uh, and so I just decided that was one of the ones that stood out for me. So I was in a bar with some friends in Liverpool and I was like, you know, damn, I'm so devastated about the fact we've done all this work with John Fields and now like the band's now over and I'd really like to work with him again. And my friend was like, well, dude, just send him a message. So I kind of got a bit of Dutch courage and had a couple of beers. And, <laughs> and I, I just sent him a message going, dude, I, we can't let this go to waste. The songs are too good. The production value is just off the re- you know, off the, the scale. And he just literally went, dude, of course, speak to my manager. Let, let, let's do this. Wow. Let's like, get wow. rock. And you're you're sitting there going, really? It's just that easy? Like I had to build up the courage and <laughs> get a little liquid courage in me to, to contact you, and it's just that easy? Like contact your manager, and of course we'll do it. Wow, thanks. <laughs> it, it really is, but I think you know. I mean, for, certainly for me, okay, I've been in the business for ten years, but I'm still a newbie, really. I mean, the band I was in, we had some success. We went, you know, as you know, through America, we toured, we did TV, radio. And we were basically on the verge. I mean, you know, John Fields had committed to do our full album. So, I mean, that would have been an amazing thing for us, certainly in the American market, because his production skill is just right on the money for the U.S. market. So, and over here, they all love it. It's a, it's a little bit heavier uh, production in the U.S., the American productions, but I love it. So, um, you know, so I'm I'm hopefully I'm very hopeful that I'm I'm currently writing my my debut album now, uh, and I'm, I've gone back to Liverpool to, and I'm doing a little bit um, in in a couple of great studios there with a really good friend of mine, and it's just me and him. The guy I'm doing it with, we used to be in a band. 10, 15 years ago. He's a great songwriter. He's a great musician. And to, to not overcomplicate the process, I've just decided for, to do my first album in my own right. I just want one co-writer, you know? Uh-huh. Um, I, 
I just think it it makes sense that there's no um and ahs, there's no people, you know, other people getting involved, and and so it's just me and him. We've already since August, I've um, completed the record. Uh, I, I wrote five new songs with him, and then previously we already had about ten songs that we'd been working on, even when I was in the band, because I think it's so important to carry on writing, you know, when you have the time. Sure, sure. Uh, so the album's done. I'm just in the process of now basically putting putting stuff together with my fingers uh, crossed, hoping that you know John Fields will will take on the second single and then potentially my my first album, which would just be my dream to have that because you know when you just work with somebody and it's just right. The guy also is a big fan of the Beatles. I'm a big fan of the Beatles. We, you know we get on. I was going to take him some Beatles memorabilia when I first went to meet him. <laughs> a little bit too much. <laughs> It's a nice touch, but yeah, you'll you'll keep that one in your back pocket for a little later. Yeah, you know, I've got some friends that know Paul McCartney, so I may ask them to get a signed guitar, and I'll take that wow. over. Wow, <laughs> I'm joking, of course. Oh, oh. well, I'm curious though, because because you keep talking about him so much, I want to go back to something that you said a few minutes ago. You were saying that you had gone through some producers before that you weren't happy with. And so that, you know, then you went on to say why you were so happy to, to eventually connect with him. But just for the benefit of the listeners who are aspiring performers themselves, other than just saying, you know, oh, we didn't have the same vision. Like what, what happens that someone ends up being disappointed in a producer? And, and I don't want to get into dirty laundry. This isn't for you to get into real specifics. But again, just to help out anyone who's listening that wants to learn you know, what to look out for in a producer, what types of things do happen? What, what types of things do you see, Chris, you know, where, where someone ends up deciding, ah, this isn't the producer for me? Well, you know, we, we've had, as I say, I mean, I, I personally am not a producer. I'm, I'm great with melodies, lyrics, you know, basically the writing of the song. I've recently picked up an amazing guitar and I'm now uh, a little uh, uh, learning my guitar and I'm, I'm doing quite well. So I'm very happy about that. But from a production standpoint, I think most people will always kind of suffer there slightly if they don't have a producer in the band. And I think it's just it's mm. just very hard. You will create a song uh, and, and then you'll take it to somebody who doesn't necessarily have the same vision uh, or, or they'll, you know, it, it can be so many different reasons. I mean, for one of the reasons we, we met a producer, we obviously mentioned names for, for obvious reasons, sure. but the, one of the producers we work with was a great guy. I loved him. I thought he was fantastic. But then we we got it. He got the sound. You know, it was just great. But then when it comes to the the basically doing the album, he said, "Well, you know, I'd like to do a record with you guys." But he he had this like thing in his mind about cutting the song. So with with the with the, uh, the basically the, the the songwriting split. So you know what how we'd work it is we would all send we'd go in with a written album. And say there's three of us on the album, being the lads in the scheme, that would have been, you know, 33.3% a yeah, piece. Yeah. So we then take it into a producer and we may give him 10% because he may change, you know, the rhythm section or he might put a nice bass line in or sure, a guitar sure. part. or So, you you know, we're not greedy people, but you do. But this guy was like kind of saying, well, you know, how much am I going to get for each song? And we were like, well, we think we should give you like 10, 15% on each song. And he was like, Okay, well, I'll just do fifteen percent work, and then I'm going to stop. Oh wow! And people are like what? Like wow. that is just not how you do it. So I didn't have that conversation. I just heard this on an email. So I kind of just said, you know, that kind of closes any creative juices. Then, so we kind yeah. of passed on, dude. Lovely guy, but I just I've never heard that mentality of well, I'll just hmm. do fifteen percent because that's all I'm getting. I mean, <laughs> and the collaboration of work, and you know, when somebody takes you a finished written album. If you're going to get 15 percent for changing a few parts and also getting a fee, then I think that's the fair way. Sure. So that would that would be one, like a bit of greed would be one. And and I, I think another another uh, situation is we've been into a lot of um, sessions with producers that because they're obviously you know kingpins in their industry and we're a new band. There's just that kind of like that they they're just not that it's just a really really weird situation. So they they kind of you know you're trying to overdo it because you're concerned that you're not doing enough for them and they're like so the, the kind of you're just not on the same level so i would mm, say okay i would say it, it's just a very hard one you know you'll go into a studio it's like going into meetings and business meetings you'll either get the person within the next first five or ten minutes and say yeah i can totally do this with you or you'll be like actually no you know or it might take a few sessions down and they say something like well you know i want more more percentage or i want this or i want that and then and then you know evidently that will be an, a no deal as well and you'll be passing on that yeah but in other words it could be something as simple as just 
flat out the personalities just clash and it's just it's got nothing to do with the percentage it's got nothing to do with artistic vision it's just you know we just can't seem to gel and if we can't seem to gel from the get-go then how are we going to gel in the studio you know never mind whatever the cut ends up being Absolutely. Like we used to have a rule. We'd always take, I mean, I, I'm not like saying we should all get drunk, but we, you know, we are in the, in, in a band we were. So we, we had a rule where we'd always meet the producer for lunch and, you know, have a few drinks and just see how they, how they are, you know, and nine times out of 10, you would find out whether that's a workable situation for you or not, you know? Mm. Um, but yeah, so I like we, that. we, 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 uh, we, we found a lot of great people and in our career and certainly up till de- up to today, I just feel like when we found uh, working with John Field, it, it's just it just it was an instant gratification, and it, within the within the song, as soon as we you know every day we were coming out of the studio with a finished song, and you'd be sitting in the in the you know in the studio listening to like the the main speakers, and you'd just be like, this is is this our really our song like this? <laughs> oh. Amazing. <laughs> well, and then on top of it, Universal Music is distributing your single. How did you manage to acquire that sort of muscle? Well, and that really is a muscle, isn't it? For my first single, I mean, I couldn't believe in myself, really. But I, um, I'm just very lucky that um, when I was in the band, again going back to the band, it's. Or I think when you when you come out of a band and you you show an interest to carry want to carry on, the other boys are not doing it. You see that one, one's gone back to America and the other ones in London just doing session work now. But I just had a real urge because I, I obviously was the lead singer and I, I'd been a solo artist previously. I just showed an interest to the label that had signed us initially and said, look, guys, I don't, I, I don't really want to go back to Liverpool. I'm based in London now. I really want to – I've got a record half written. I'd love to, to pursue this with you guys if you'd be up for it. And, you know, there was a few months of <laughs> debating whether they would or not, and then thank goodness they, they did keep me on. Um, but through that, I was, we would just – we'd finished a tour before we went over to see John Fields in America – and uh, there was a lady there who was basically a music manager. And when the band split up, she reached out to me and said, look, I've seen you guys on tour. I thought you were great. Uh, I'd like to get involved. I don't want you to sign any contracts, but I'd love to help you out. So thank goodness she came along yeah. because she's basically been helping me, mentoring me. And then when it came to uh, her hearing the John Fields production, she was like, oh, w- would you like Universal to distribute this? And I was oh, like, boy. Eh. Absolutely. So she sent it through uh, to the, to her company, which is a, a, a quite a large um, a distribution company, and their all of their distribution goes through Universal. So they have a really, you know, their policy. It, it's quite hard to get on. They're not. It's not an easy thing. You've got to know somebody who knows somebody, and then the song's got to be credible. And I kind of think with the label that I've got backing me and the full marketing plan, which is much bigger than we've ever done before. I'm I'm actually quite daunting by by <laughs> daunted, excuse me, by by this marketing strategy <laughs> because you know when you're writing songs in a studio and then you produce it and it's all great and your friends get excited, but then when you start seeing yourself <laughs> on the front pages of music magazines and stuff, that's when it gets really really freaky. So. Yeah, so she sent the song over. They, they sent a contract back. We signed it, and basically they're they're now my distributors for this single. Outstanding, which is really outstanding. Thing. Well, let's get the the dates correct now. Pre-orders opened up on iTunes and Amazon as of June first, but the formal release will be what date? And and it will also be available uh, where slash how? Meaning in addition to iTunes and Amazon. Well, the single actually is out next week, so it's July the 6th it drops, so I'm pretty excited, well, very excited about that, and um, yeah, we'll, we'll, just, we'll just see what happens. I mean, the label have got, I've got great support from the label, they've, they've got a great marketing strategy, which is currently, you know, right now on rotation, I'm constantly getting messages from far and, 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 and well, much farther than the UK of people seeing like the advertisement for the single on on the Instagram and stuff. So it, it's quite it's really exciting for me, a really exciting time. And so that July 6th will mean that as of then, it's pretty much available anywhere. It's not just going to be iTunes and Amazon anymore. It'll pretty much be wherever music is sold, as they say. Absolutely. It'll, uh, it's even, even going through Universal. It's actually going to be physical copies as well, which you can get online via my website, which is chrisjamesmusic.com. Um, and that is through Townsend Music, which is the, the distributor that Universal use. So um, I'm, I'm excited myself because I've actually never had a physical copy. You know, everything seems to be downloads now and streaming. Yeah. So 
it's nice to have a physical CD for my first single, which is really unknown currently. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That is exciting. Listeners, as you can hear, there are a lot of details when it comes to releasing music. The actual recording of it, though, you can take full control of by equipping yourself with gear from Tascam. They have all sorts of solutions for the home hobbyist, the musician who wants to do demos, or even recordings for release. And they've even got big-time stuff for, say, recording your live shows. I'm talking right now into the Tascam TM280 microphone. I'm wearing my THMX2 headphones. I'm patched in through the Tascam Mini Studio Creator audio interface. Heck, I've even got the boom arm for my microphone, and I'm looking up at an acoustic control filter that you can use as a sort of vocal booth, so to speak. Check it all out at Tascam.com. That's T-A-S-C-A-M.com. And Chris, on that note, just to expand a little bit more on the recording, you said that you actually recorded in Minneapolis the the song that we played Eyes Open in in your debut single. But so for future songs is it is it so long as i have the opportunity to work with john fields i will always go to his studio or can you do some stuff at a studio in london or what does that look like moving forward absolutely well you know thank goodness for for me being signed to a a a record label they've actually got their own um studio operations here in london in king's Ah, cross okay in fact i was actually speaking to you on the last interview from there because we were actually writing our album whilst i was on the phone to you so i don't (laughs) you remember i was in one of the vocal booths while the guys were just uh, doing some production in the production room so i do remember um, that i do (laughs) yeah so so i was there so but i mean the way i'd like to work with john if he agrees is i would um send him I'm currently working in Liverpool at the moment and um, constructing demo versions of every song for my album because John likes to listen to everything first before he commits, which is totally understandable. You know, you, he wants to work with songs that are great and that he can put his name to. So I'm in a in a, in a situation currently where I'm right. We're, we're kind of playing everything live and it's very stripped down demo form. But um uh, and then once that's done, I, I send them over to John and he'll give it either the green light or the amber. He'll say, change this or this could happen here. And we keep on doing that backwards and forwards. Um, you know, music, uh, pr- recording in live live um, instruments. I mean, it doesn't really matter where you're doing it as long as, you know, you, you've got the right equipment, which we have. So I think from, from my standpoint, to make things quicker, even though John is a wizard in the studio, I feel like he gets the best vocals out of me in in the room while he's there. So basically what I'd like to do is is to get the album kind of over to him before the end of September and then fly out to Minneapolis and probably do 10 days with him where we can do all the vocals with him and then he he then will do his work his magic and make the the record like, you know, sounding huge and just as he ha- has done with the first single. So um, I'd, I'd love to go out there. And, I mean, I could probably go out there and spend a month there, but I think because I'm so busy and I'm currently just about to start touring, um, I, I just think the best thing is to kind of get kind of the house built and then like put let him put the roof on when, when we get over to Minneapolis, hopefully. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I like that analogy. So just to, just to finish up on, you, you mentioned before, you know, about, I'll, I'll say going separate ways as it relates to the scheme. You said, you know, we're, we're all getting on in our years. And I mean, it, it sounds like it sounds like it was an amicable split. I mean, as you said, one of the guys isn't even doing music anymore. So obviously this wasn't a big falling out. And I'm not looking for you to air dirty laundry and, and call names. It just sounds like, you know, like you, you've chosen to move on and, and they're okay with that. Yes. Absolutely. I mean, you know, we had an amazing five years. I mean, I was with Kyle, the American guy for six years, you know, as you know, Alexi came in three years ago because we had a different uh, guitarist lineup. So, you know, we taught, I, I, I can, like everybody says, oh, what a waste all them years. And, I, and actually, I, I completely say the opposite. It's like no amount of, of, of money or anything would have ever given me the experience that I've gained in the past six years you know, with, with interviewing techniques, with being on tour, radio, you know, television. I mean, I've, you know, I've, exactly. we played arenas. It, I mean, it's just, it's just been so amazing for me. And I think if anything, what it's kind of done now is it's kind of made me a, a finished artist in my own right. So when I am going on to do these live shows now, I mean, I still, obviously we all get nervous, but I just know, you know, I know exactly what the word tour etiquette means, you know, how I should behave on tour. All of these things people don't know when they're going out on their own unless they've had a major experience in the past. So, you know, we we did split up amicably. I'm kind of 
sorry that it, it had to end, but you know, when people thought, you know, it was one, one of the guys had got a relationship and I, I just think people have different priorities in life and that is not right or, or wrong. But my, mine has always really been music and I, I just love to sing and love to perform. So I, I kind of wanted to give it an, at least another 10 years. And, you know, if the first album goes well, I, I may be doing it for <laughs> another 20 years. <laughs> but I ain't going to give up Yeah, you know, not at all. Okay, now it's time for Bruce's bonus. This is a segment here on Now Hear This Entertainment where I take off my hat as podcast host and put on my hat as president of Now Hear This Incorporated, giving a helpful tip for the listeners that are musicians, singers, songwriters, entertainers who are out there trying hard to make a go of it. Today's bonus is, speaking of having a repeat guest on the show, please tell me that I've already done this as a bonus before. Gosh, this is so fundamental that I better have covered this before, and you better already be doing this. But hey, it could bear repeating if I said it on another episode, and or if you're a newbie who hasn't played out yet. When you sound check, make sure a band member, or if you're a solo act, a friend, your manager, a family member, whoever, goes out in the room and checks the sound, the mix, the volume, and so on. Don't just see how it sounds to you up on stage. And furthermore, have that person check it during the first, say, one to three songs, and then maybe even spot check later on in the show. Consider the audience and what they're going to hear, you know, the people that you're there to play for. This is about entertaining them, not yourself. So give them audio that will be pleasing to their ears. And that is today's Bruce's Bonus. That's really great to know, isn't it? Very helpful, right? Bruce gives out a tip just like that on every episode of this show, and there's an easy way to get all those that he gave out over the first 160 episodes. The ebook series called Bruce's Bonus Book contains four volumes, and they're all available for purchase and immediate download at www.brucesbonusbook.com. Order yours now for helpful tips that you can apply to your career right away. Well, Chris... this is amazing you know for maybe it's someone that's been on the show but i don't know but listeners i don't send questions in advance to guests you know i don't really kind of clue them in on on a whole heck of a lot of what we're going to talk about but i intended to ask you next chris and and you sort of just started to, to to come awfully awfully close to this but because you have been at this a long time i believe 10 years you know i i wanted to say that it probably was easier to walk away from an established act to go solo. In, in other words, compared to what it might be like for, say, you know, someone whose very first foray as a as a performer was with like a trio or a band, and then after only one or two years, they decide to go solo. I, I would think that that you would have some perspective on this and, and, and maybe some advice as well, because I think everybody thinks that, oh, this sounds great being in a band and maybe they're only 20 or 21 years old and then something bad does happen. They have a fight, a falling out, whatever, and you're only a year or two into your career and you go, well, I guess I'm going to go out on my own now. And it's like, well, you've only been doing this for one or two years, whereas for you, like you said, you got all this great experience from being in the scheme and you had been doing music for 10 years already. Absolutely. I mean, <clears throat> I don't think there's any wrong or, or, or right way of doing it. I, I think the key is to make sure that if you are going to walk away from a project or if it doesn't work out and you decide, well, I mean, for me, certainly, uh, you know, when the band split up, the band was, we were dropped by a label, we were dropped by our publisher. I mean, it was literally over within 48 hours. So I, I took it upon myself after so, so some deliberation, a bit like John Fields. I just, you know, went to the office and said, look, I, I, I've, I've kind of given you a lot of my time. Uh, I, 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 I didn't want the band to split up. And I really, really have got a lot of great new material and old material, which we can revive. Let's do a record together, you know. And, and I, I think if that, if that particular company would not have um, given me the opportunity, had and the only reason they did that is I think because they seen how much I'd kind of like worked with the scheme because I was the lead singer, but I also drove the band around. I also arranged gigs. I was kind of like self-managing the project for a certain amount of time before we got a manager. So I think they'd kind of seen all of them attributes that I, I already had. And, and they thought, well, we can either go out and audition another another singer 
or we can kind of use a guy we've spent a, a lot of money on, which they probably want to get some of that back at some point. <laughs> and, um, you know, so I had a, I was very, very lucky in the situation with, with the fact that when they said, yeah, here's the green light, the, the same team that was already working with the scheme then just kind of came over to me, which I was see. really, really amazing because had that not have happened, there's no way I'd be sitting with a John Field single and, and having a universal distribution and, you know, doing all the things that I'm going to be doing over the next six to eight months. So I I, 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 I don't really know that the, the correct answer to that, but my opinion would be if you're going to leave a, a bad situation like that, you make sure you have a great team or you have a good manager that really believes and has got your back because if you're going to go and do it on your own, it's a really, really big, big jump down to you know to ground zero. And I, and I think if that would have happened to me, I would have carried on definitely because this is my vocation in life. I don't see myself doing anything other than singing and, and songwriting. So, you know, maybe in the future I'll go into management and, and help, you know, you, the youth of, of tomorrow to become artists. But but right now, I, yeah, I, my, my only advice would be if you are in a difficult situation or your band is about to break up, please go straight ahead to your, your manager and your label and, and let them know that you're still available to work, you know, because it, it really does pay dividends. It, it has for me and I'm just so thankful and I really thank every every day that I'm in this position, really. Well, it sounds like it. And, you know, I guess my follow up would be and, and this this would have been something to, to pose uh, back on episode 173, when Ryan Carella was my guest, he not only has a podcast himself, but he is an entertainment attorney. Uh, what happens, Chris, in a case like the scheme going their separate ways? Are there any legal agreements that have to get signed in oh, in terms of, say, permissions, for example? I'm thinking of something like you still being able to perform songs by the scheme in your live shows. And then maybe even, you know, what about still getting a percentage of ongoing sales of music that was recorded when you were in the band? How does all that work? Well, actually, you know, that's a really, really good question. And it, yeah, you're right. There was a lot of contracts and that cost an absolute fortune to do because, as mm. you know, legal work is very expensive. But um, I, I kind of another reason why I know the band splitted, you know, we all split amicably was we we had a huge catalog of songs and, you know, which the label had paid for. And as we all know, in the music business, when you sign to a major label or an independent, there's a lot of money on the table to, to try to help you get to the place you need to be. So we we had to sign over all authorization for all releases on all of the songs that we'd done whilst we were working with DP Music Limited, which is the label in London. <clears throat> Excuse me. So so everybody basically signed uh, their full authorization, which means they can't block any songs that we have written together. And like I would like, you know, if Alexi or Kyle wanted to release a song in the future, not that I would ever do that. I could never block that. It would be down to the label to decide who releases that song. And then, like, for instance, Eyes Open was written by me and the boys. <clears throat> so when that song goes out and we get the, the royalties, that will be still split in the in the percentages that were agreed okay. on the contract. So, okay. so everybody still gets their money. You know, if a publishing deal comes in, they all get a percentage of that. So actually, it's a great thing for the band because even though the scheme doesn't exist anymore, I, I would probably not put any of the songs that we've written together on my album because the album I want to be completely self-penned. But who knows? I may release one or two as, as kind of like, you know, little bonus tracks or singles coming, you know, coming into the next year sometime. Uh, and the boys will get their full percentage because, okay. you know, that's... that's basically what would happen okay and so you would be allowed then to perform songs that were under the scheme umbrella in in the future absolutely yeah i mean i don't think i would unless i was at a gig where because obviously we had a lot of fans and and a lot of the fans are very excited to see me on tour on my own so you never know i I could definitely throw in you know somebody else's perfect or one of the biggest songs that they all really like to, to, to have a little dance and sing to. So, but yeah, I mean, as I say, and the boys are very welcome to do that. But I mean, I probably wouldn't do it, but unless it was requested at a, at a, when I'm on tour next okay. year. Okay. I am joined today on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line by singer-songwriter Chris James, who is checking in from the UK. Visit his official website at chrisjamesmusic.com. Keep in mind that it's K-R-I-S although we will have a link to his website on the show page for this episode at nhte.net. When you land there, you will see icons for the social media platforms that he is on, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. His music is streaming on Spotify, but as you've heard us say, you can order his new single, 
on iTunes and Amazon. July 6th is the official date for the full worldwide release where it will be available anywhere that music is sold. If you are enjoying this interview with Chris, if you like what I'm putting out each week on Now Hear This Entertainment, if you find value in what the show delivers, I would ask you to kindly consider supporting me and the show on this continued journey via the Patreon campaign. I want you to make an informed decision as to what you can afford, what the different levels are that you can contribute at. I think you'll be surprised. Check it out at patreon.com slash nhte or simply go to our website, nhte.net, and click on the button there that says support us on Patreon. Chris, when I'm plugging a guest's website and social media and music, I'm usually also telling the listeners to look up the guest online to see where and when they can go see them live. So since you've gone solo now, how does that work? Because you started to say about touring, but you know, on the surface, it would appear that you would just have this song that we're playing, and then the the ones that you mentioned that are going to be recorded. So, you know, what what would that look like you outperforming live, or, or is it a case of, you know, right now just focus on recording and maybe go, you know, on a TV show and perform the single, or what, what is that looking like as as time continues to unfold here in 2018? Absolutely. Well, actually, there's many different variations of that. So, like you just mentioned. One of them would be um, performing live on television with just a single and having a you know a brief conversation about the track and what it's about. Um, an- another would be, uh, which I'm currently having done, is I'll have the single, I'll have another original, which is probably going to be the second single, which is out November, uh, and then two covers, and I'll have them MD'd, which is uh, musically directed by a, a musical director. So <clears throat> before I go on tour, I would go in a studio for a week with, a, with an MD, and he would direct the whole what we do is we it's like having a full band in a studio and we record all of the instruments live and then they play it on a track so i then don't have to go out with a full band but i still get that really nice you know full band sound when i'm on tour mm-hmm. um so yeah so that that's basically how it'll be so and i i think my my first tour starts on the 9th of july which is um three days after the single and that's a national radio tour which i'm going to be doing which i'm really excited about but for that it's just going to be like an interview and then i'll be singing the an acoustic version of Eyes Open with a guitar. Okay. So, and that'll last probably till the end of the month. And then I'll be looking at going on a support tour, which generally you get 15 minute slots, which would be uh, just enough. I see. Yeah. So, so I'd be going out first, you know, I'll do three, three songs, tell a few jokes. No, I probably wouldn't tell. <laughs> but, you know, you know, just so I, I may basically stretch it out till it lasts 15 minutes, but generally they don't like you to do any more than three songs, I would say. Um, so yeah, by then I'll, I'll definitely have a second single on rotation and, uh, it it would be a cover. I always like to sing covers first just to kind of get the audience familiar because I'm obviously a new artist now and a new domain for a lot of people. So, um, yeah, I I like to to, do, to to kind of, you know, funk up a, a, a a current song that's in the top. Yeah. I like that. Well, I mentioned back in the intro that there are remixes for your song for, for eyes open. What about those? Yeah, that, that's uh, that's correct. Well, it's quite clever with the label. What they generally do is they'll put out the, the radio edit with, and then two weeks later they'll throw out like three or four different productions uh, remixed with different named dance producers. So how we've done it this time is we've had the song uh, remixed by uh, the Wide Boys, which are a huge DJ uh, group from the UK. And then we've got a guy called Adam Turner and then a, guy, a, a DJ company guys a couple of guys called Cutmore um and so what they did is they did three remixes and they're currently on rotation around the whole of the UK in the nightclubs and so we get like a weekly wow. report wow. to see which DJs are playing it and that will go on for 10 weeks now so basically wow. whilst whilst the single is on radio it, they'll also be hearing it in the club so it's a very very good way to build momentum for when the first track comes out yeah, and then I'll the dance tracks will will also be there uh, two weeks after the initial release. They'll be available to download and also stream on, on, on all the on, online uh, platforms. But yeah, it's, it's kind of like, you know, everything goes on over weekend in the clubs now, so they kind of spin it out. And I've, um, they're also going to put my dry vocals on a website so that a lot of the younger, like, bedroom DJs can kind of download them. And they do their own, hmm. you know, re- remix, which I also think is a great idea because whenever you get, you know, a I don't know, a, top 40 in the dance chart all the young kids that are like you know they want to be a, a big dj they will grab the the dry vocals and then mix it up which is nice because it gives them a little something to do as well you know 
Well, gosh, I have all kinds of questions here. I'm, I'm going to try to throw out three of them if I can remember them all, and hopefully you can <laughs> keep these straight too. But I'm thinking yeah. of questions like, you know, number one, when you first said my record label, and then you went on to say three different remixes that are already out that are in the clubs, you know, how does that make you feel? Like, I, I assume that you don't have any say in how those come out sounding. Uh, the second question is, when you talk about these bedroom DJs and, and your dry vocals being out there, is how do they keep track of, you know, if, if these DJs start making money off of those songs, you need to get your cut out of that. So I wonder how that is controlled. And, and now I've forgotten the third question, so let's just go ahead with those <laughs> first two for now. Okay, so, well, the first question, so basically we when we're picking the dance DJs to do the remixes, there'll generally be a name DJ for obvious reasons because, you know, most DJs that sure. are playing every weekend will, will, will be more, you know, they'll be happy to play a name DJ rather than a no name. So we pick three great DJs that we know, uh, and then we send the, basically the, the project file, which is basically everything on a file, which is the drums or everything, drums, guitar, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. harmonies, the lot. And then they basically take bits from the project file and they make their own remix of the song. And, um, and consequently, it comes back. And if we like it, we agree. If we don't uh, like it, okay. okay. they'll do another, another version of it. So, um, okay, so you do have some say in it. You do have some say in it. Oh, absolutely. I mean, generally, when you're dealing with guys like the Wide Boys who've had number ones like so many times... They're like you, you, you know. They're 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 in the always in the top forty commercial dance chart. So you kind of leave it to them because they know exactly what's current in the market. So I, I mean, with them, actually, with the white boys, it was kind of like, yeah, we love it, and that was that was kind of ready to ready to rock. So, um, but I, I think when you're picking the the producer DJ, you kind of know their work, so you you leave it to them to do basically. Okay. And then the the bedroom DJs who who have access to to your vocal track. You know, yeah, how, so how, do you, how do you keep track of that to make sure that if they're making money that you're getting part of it? You know, that is actually a really good question. But I would think that the collection agencies would be on that because their songs are all registered with them. So even though it's a, it's a remix of the song, the actual original song is, is registered where lyrics, time, you know, the time, the whole the whole song is registered with the collections agencies. But I would I would assume the. The only the only way there would be a reach out to one of these DJs, which sometimes happens, is where they will do a remix and it's so cool it goes to number one, and then of course you have to call them and say hello. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I'm I'm actually not 100% sure on that, but I know for the dance DJs that we've got, um, because all of them songs are going to be actually put on for chart position and they're all registered in my record label's name and of course my name. Um, they're looked after, but the bedroom DJs, I, I kind of feel like they just kind of fall by the wayside. But if, if they do climb up the charts, which I've known a few people to do, then then they're approached. But I mean, it's always very amicable. There's there's never a problem there. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Well, just getting back to the to the touring idea, uh, where are you with the guitar these days? I, I know that you're somewhere in the learning stages. So, are you far enough along? Will will you when you're out playing these three song shows? Will you be playing guitar? Or are you not that far yet? <laughs> absolutely. absolutely. So I, I, I'm a really bad learner. So I decided to get a teacher that, that teaches children because I find that I've kind of felt like I had a couple of <laughs> guitar teachers and I was just like, I can't, I just, just can't do this. It's just too hard. And, I, and I've got huge hands and they, they wouldn't, I couldn't move them up and down. It was just, so I, I met, I met this guy uh, who, who basically is a music teacher in a school and I don't know what the heck's going on, but the guy has taught me I'm on six chords now and I can play all sorts of songs and I've literally only been doing it for three months. So I, I, I bought a very small Martin, um, Mar uh, what have I got? I've got a small Taylor. I wanted the small Martin, which is very similar to the Ed Sheeran guitar because I felt like the smaller the guitar is, the easier it would be to play. And that's <laughs> totally not correct at all. So I, I've learned on a beautiful... Um, me, like small a small guitar uh, by by Taylor and now I'm I'm I was very very lucky and I was able to get a Godin uh, two weeks ago which is a full size beautiful wow. uh, kind of like half electric half acoustic it's very thin it look it has the look of a an electric guitar but it's it's really beautiful and it sounds great so I will definitely be on tour playing my Godin and I'm so excited to get out and do it but um 
my my guys in the office were like, well, we don't really want you to be playing the guitar all the time, but maybe you can bring it out for one or two songs. And I'm just like, yeah, that that's totally fine, you know. But um, yeah, they don't want me to play it for some reason. I don't know why. They're like, don't play it all the time. Just play it on like a couple of tracks. So well, and so that's I'm fine gonna- too because then in that case, it's like you know then the, your workload is greatly reduced and you say, well, if all I got to do is learn one song or if all I got to do is learn two songs on the guitar, fine. <laughs> that, that's totally, totally right. Yeah. But I'm, um, I would hope by the end of the year, I'll be semi-professional. I'll be able to play many songs, including my own songs. Um, but I, I'm basically focusing on learning chords and kind of the transition of moving from one chord to the other as effortless as possible. And um, and I'm doing that currently. So so now it's time to learn my own songs, which I'm not really, I, I know what they are, but I'm going to get onto that over the next, once I've got my show, you know, my show in a couple of days out the way, which is for the launch. And then, um, <clears throat> then I'm really going to go into it because I'm just in the studio recording the album. So uh, I've got plenty of time and no excuses, you know? Cool, cool. Well, we're going to do something a little different on this episode. We're going to close the show with the same song that we started with. I, I want to give Chris's song, It's Just Do, since this is the uh-huh. debut single for the Thank Chris you. James solo career. Uh, yet I not only talked over it throughout the intro, but I didn't even play it in its entirety. So, Chris, before I let you go and, and before we do play Eyes Open Uninterrupted, any final thoughts on this song? I, I guess I should have asked you, what will listeners notice in terms of a difference between the sound that will be solo Chris James stuff versus what they would have heard when you were with the scheme going forward. I think the scheme was out and out pop, whereas this song is a little bit pop rock and, and it's kind of a little bit different because the album is going to be a little bit jazzy, a little bit swingy, a little bit mm. rocky. So I'm kind of, the album is, we'll have to have another, when, when the album's ready, you, you must allow me back on, I hope. <laughs> uh, and we can, we can discuss the record, but you know, I've got so many amazing influences on my album, but this particular song is an out and out pop rock song. It's, it's, it's got great energy, you know, as I say, it's about, you know, a really bad relationship, but it can be really related any, any way. But, uh, one, one fun thing, which, which I didn't tell you was uh, the music video, uh, is going to be out for the song. Well, that's interesting. It sounds like there's going to be an, an awful lot for the listeners to, to keep their eyes and ears open for number one, like you say, the video and then these new songs. I, I think you said November. Is that is that when you're trying to get everything out by? Yeah, I think the the next single will be out in November. The album will follow probably the spring of 2019. But um, but the the video is quite a little bit. I think it's going to cause a little bit of problems because I've I, I've based obviously the song is about an abusive relationship and I've based the the song because of because of going through my friends and. A lot of them have got crazy girlfriends. You know, I take that take that lightly with a bit of sugar. But <laughs> I, I made the video um, quite cleverly or not so cleverly, where the girl is basically abusing the boy. So there's a lot of mm. of manipulation, and the video is really really cool. But I think it's going to raise some eyebrows <laughs> because <laughs> you know we speak a lot about domestic violence with men towards women, but I actually know from from first class experiences that it's actually also the other way, but it's not really spoken about as much. So mm. I don't know whether it's going to be great or whether it's it's going to be bad. But my <laughs> first music video is basically about. It's the portrayal of a woman beating beating down her boyfriend, and um, and so that is a, a very controversial, shall we say, music video. But wow. I hope you guys enjoy it. It's a great video. It's got great energy, and I really enjoyed shooting it. Awesome, awesome. Well, Chris, uh, great to talk to you again. Thanks for coming back. I now hear this entertainment, and uh, congratulations and best of luck with the Chris James solo career. Thank you so much, and thanks very much, Bruce, for having me, and uh, all the best for this year. Absolutely, my friend. Listeners, that will do it for this week's episode of Now Hear This Entertainment. My sincere thanks to UK-based singer-songwriter Chris James for coming back on the show. Check out his website at chrisjamesmusic.com and then engage with him on social media. So that means like his Facebook page, follow him on Twitter and Instagram. For that matter, tell him you heard him and his music on Now Hear This Entertainment. Remember that his music is streaming on Spotify, but you are encouraged to instead purchase it from the likes of iTunes or Amazon. July 6th is the official worldwide release date. Keep up with Chris online for continued updates on his solo career, including his new music that will be released and the new video, of course. Remember, go back and check out the interview he and I first did together in April of 2016 on episode 116 of NHTE. We will have a link to that, too on the show page for this episode at nhte.net. Again, if you like what you hear on Now Hear This Entertainment, 
this episode, the interviews, the information, the education, the music, discovering different artists, heck, even the entertainment value, I would truly, truly appreciate your support via the ongoing Patreon campaign for this show. It's not a 30-day crowdfunding campaign like you might be thinking of. Read all about what it is and how it works. Decide how much or how little you can contribute and become a part of it. Just go to patreon.com slash N-H-T-E. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Or just go to our website, nhte.net, and click on the button that says support our Patreon campaign. Thank you ever so much for listening. We'll send you out with the debut single from Chris James. Here in its entirety is Eyes Open. Self and be the 